everyone this evening. If you're a guest this evening, we welcome you. If you're not a guest this evening, we welcome you too. Those of you that are watching us online this evening, welcome as a part of this service as well. Um, I feel like the Lord has given me uh, some direction that will go for the next couple of Thursday nights, and uh, that could change next week, but otherwise, uh, I feel like tonight is the start of its several weeks, and so I will not be necessarily completing a thought this evening, uh, but, but beginning something. So um, why don't you go ahead and stand, and I'm going to read a bunch of verses kind of at the beginning, but I'll read one verse, and, uh, and then we're going to pray. And um, we'll, we'll go from, You know what, let's, let's do this. I, I, it's been a while since I've really done too much off the cuff. So, Nathaniel, let's do a uh, Lord prepare me for a <clears throat> moment or two here. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and I'll be 
present ourselves to you tonight, God. 
your dwelling place, your tabernacle, God. Your vessels, Lord, to fill and use as you desire, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. 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 We make ourselves available to you tonight, God. We yield ourselves to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 18, just kind of as a launching point here. Paul says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Flesh. Father, thank you for this privilege of joining together again this evening, being together with people of like precious faith. Thank you for this privilege of worshiping you, of knowing you, God. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of your kingdom. We're not just a part of a church, God, we're a part of your kingdom, and we thank you for that privilege. God, I pray that you would speak to us tonight, that you would minister in this place tonight. God, we don't need words. We don't need just a lesson to take up time in this service. We need you to speak to us. I pray that you would let me be a conduit, God, through which you can flow to speak and minister in this place tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. I really was expecting, dear and Lord, prepare me to open my eyes and had had a revival, but it didn't happen. I was hold, holding out hope. Um, I know uh, probably the majority of you here don't really have any interest about golf and couldn't care less about it. But um, as with a lot of sports, there's a lot of great analogies and a lot of great life lessons. And uh, this isn't just the case in golf, but it is one place where I've lived it and know it. They say if if you're about to make a shot, Especially maybe you're, you're about to take a shot and there's water 
that's going to be somewhere in the vicinity of your shot. If you're, it may be basically right in front of you, and you're hitting over that water. It may be a little, maybe off to the side. There's actually the fairway, and there's plenty of green grass, but off to one side, there's water. If you stand there, and as you get ready to swing, if you tell yourself, don't hit the ball in the water, your brain, this is a cycle, I'm not, I'm not making this up, this is a psychological thing, your brain is wired that it doesn't hear the don't. What your brain hears is, hit the ball in the water. And if you sit there as a non-golfer and think that's the stupidest thing you've ever heard, you're a non-golfer. Because I've lived that. And what happens is when, when you focus on, when you make your focus on where you don't want to hit the ball, your body, your swing, does, it's not your regular swing. You tense up. You, you're swinging with fear. As I said, I think it was Sunday morning. I can take you up to Severna Park to the driving range and, and hit golf balls there. And on the driving range, if you watch me hit golf balls there, you'd probably think I was a good golfer. And I'm an okay golfer. But there's a big difference between there and the course because there you're not telling yourself don't hit it because there's no place to worry about hitting it. You're just hitting it. And so more often than not, you hit a great shot. But when you tell yourself don't, now your, 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 your muscles are tensing up. You're, you're now swinging with fear. And, and I think we do the same thing in our walk with God. We spend a lot of time living focused on, I better not do that. I can't do this. I can't go here. I can't think those thoughts. And Paul says, if, if you don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh, here's the solution. Walk in the Spirit. The goal is not to sit around under this pressure of, oh God, I don't want to walk in the flesh. I don't want to, I don't want to follow the, I don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Oh God, I don't want, I don't, no. Walk in the Spirit. Because if you will walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You can't. I don't think this is physically possible. If, I, if it is, somebody would have to correct me, but I, or maybe I'm just flawed. Because as far as I know, it's not possible to think two different things at one time. You can only think about one thing at a time. Because the moment you start thinking about something else, you're not thinking about the other thing anymore. You're now thinking about the new thing. And then the second you try to go back to thinking about the old thing, you're not thinking about the new thing. You're thinking about the old thing. You can't think about these plants and then think about those chairs at the same time because now you're thinking about the chairs. But if I tell you to think about the pulpit, you're thinking about the pulpit because now I've... We sit around a lot of times in the areas we shouldn't think about things, trying not to think about things and thinking about the things we shouldn't think about. And Paul says, if you, want to, if you don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh, here's the answer. Walk in the Spirit. 
I read on I read on Facebook, I think it was yesterday, and I've mentioned this numerous times now, but there's a group on there called The Forward. It's a it's the name it used to be, I guess it may still be a magazine for ministers, but in the organization we're part of it. And a, and a pastor posted on there yesterday. He said he had been going to the church, praying early in the morning, and, and like, I don't know, day after day or or very regularly he, he walks in. I think he said the foyer of the building and there's a spider web, and every morning he's going in there, he's cleaning out the spider web, and he's upset about the spider web, and he said a couple mornings ago he walked in there and griping about the spider web, and the Lord spoke to him and said, if you got a problem with the spider web, get rid of the spider. Somebody needs to hear me right now. And I'm sorry I don't have any Greek words to throw at you to make this sound really deep right now, but somebody needs to hear me. You can't live focused on not doing what you're not supposed You've got to live focused on doing what you're supposed to do. You're struggling with lustful thoughts? Get out your Bible. Start reading. Go sit down on YouTube and pull up some good preaching. Turn on a good podcast. But you know what? Part of the part of the struggle is this. I I am very concerned. My wife shared we were in the car riding together yesterday, and some of you have heard of Will Witt. Uh, he's a young guy, conservative guy whatever person, not radio personality, that's old terminology. And he was, I don't, I, I don't know, is he a Christian? Some kind of, he's some kind of Christian, but he's not a preacher. He's not a, and he was going on this rant about preachers and pastors in particular and the way that pastors nowadays are watering down everything. It was a good rant. <laughs> it was a really good rant. And I, I am deeply concerned that, that as apostolics, not, not the rest of as apostolics, we, 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 we basically, I got a, got a couple of object lessons, Brother Vernell. We, we've basically made living for God, our walk with God, the seasoning to our life. And it, I'm telling you, there's nothing like Old Bay on some crab soup or some crabs. I love, I mean, cream of crab soup is one of my favorite things. The place that I know of in this immediate area that to my knowledge, I'm not here to start a debate, to my knowledge as the best cream of crab soup is Federal House, downtown Annapolis. If you've got a better place, please share it. I would happily try it out. And, and, and almost without fail, we're, one of us at the table, we're asking, can you play, please, 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 can you please bring us some more Old Bay? If I get crab cakes, I, I, I like crab cakes more than I like picking crabs because you get all the enjoyment of the meat without the work. You know, picking crabs is okay. It's an enjoyable social event, but I'd rather just get the crab cakes where it's just every fork is full of meat. You pick, I'll eat. I mean... And I got to tell you, several folks in my house have taken Old Bay to a whole different level. 
I love Old Bay on crab stuff and potato chips. But outside of that, I, I, they, they put it on their eggs. They put it on other stuff. But I have never, one, I'm not, they may have, but I have never one time seen one of my kids reach over. We actually have a jar. It's one of those old kind of sugar jars you used to, you know, used to have in restaurants. You know, it's got the little metal flap that opens up when you pour. I think it's that one. Oh, that's the Parmesan. But yeah, it's a, yeah, anyway. It's not an Old Bay container, but it's Old Bay. I have never seen any of my kids, I think Esther and and Nathaniel are the two, Timothy probably, but those are the two I've noticed that do it the most. I've never seen one of them just sit down at the table, reach over and grab the old bay. As much as they may like it on something, you eat it with something else. It's just a seasoning. It's just a seasoning, and, and I'm... I know we got some, we got any Chick-fil-A people in the house tonight? We got any Chick-fil-A sauce people? Yeah, I got a question, and I, 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 I might be surprised by this, but let's see. Is there any of you Chick-fil-A sauce people that have ever peeled the package open, put your head back, and just squeezed as much as you could get? Anybody? One per, I had a feeling there'd be at least one. But I'm also pretty sure the majority. We go through the drive-thru. I'm, I'm not really a sauce person. and I mean, when it, I like my Chick-fil-A nuggets just like they come. I don't, need, I don't want extra sauce. They're good enough as is. I, mean, I like ketchup and mustard on my burgers and stuff, but other than that, I'm not a big sauce person. Man, we go through Chick-fil-A line, Chick-fil-A sauce, Chick-fil-A sauce. I'm afraid there's too many people, I would say some of us, but I'm going to be nice, that this is what living for God is in our lives. It's the seasoning. It's the sauce. It's the extra. Yeah, even us here on a Thursday night, we just like a little extra season. Are you truly pursuing walking in the spirit or would you prefer walking in the flesh and just sprinkling a little bit of God I'm trying to see if I can get the temperature to rise a little bit in here he he said you and I were to be salt and light he didn't say he was the salt to enhance our lives He's not to be the seasoning just to make our lives a little better. He's supposed to be life. He's supposed to be what our lives are all about. He's supposed to be the focus. I'm not trying to overwhelm you with object lessons and analogies here at the beginning, but let me give you one more and then I'll, I'll, I'll work on moving on. I didn't say I'd move on. I said I'd work on it. Going through... Sorting through the boxes the other day, as I mentioned, I think Sunday morning, and I, I, I found a Nerf gun in there. We used to have a big old bin of Nerf guns. We still had a lingering Nerf gun and a few Nerf darts. Some of you are treating your walk with God. You're showing up with a Nerf gun, and the devil's showing up with a 
Help me out, one of you gun guys. An AK. AK-47, right? Isn't that one of them? Okay. You're showing up with your little Nerf gun to have a little fun, and he's showing up fully loaded. Folks, this, this, this is a battle. Oh, Lord. This is the, the, the spirit man and the natural man are enemies. They are fighting against one another. And the problem is, if you're not aware of the battle, that means you've determined which side is winning. And when you are not aware of the battle, the side that is winning is not the side for the kingdom of God. Walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Hi. Kevin and Katie gave me a subscription to Scribd, right? So got audio books and stuff, and so I I made the big mistake yesterday of texting Kevin and saying, Hey, you got any suggestions of what to listen to? And he sent me a link with a bunch of his stuff he's got like queued up in Scribd and and, and I noticed on there one author, E.M. Bounds. And I clicked on that and I made the mistake of looking at another book. And it was about pastors and prayer. And I've spent the last two days riding around in my car, when I've been in my car, feeling like I was at the dojo without protection. I felt like I was in a, I feel like I've been in a ring, Brother Barr, without gloves. And everything in me has wanted to turn that book off. Because I've been having to face the reality of some things in the last 24 hours. I, you know, I, I really want to turn it off and just go listen to your best life now. I want something that's just nice and encouraging and uplifting. I get out of the car and I'm not there's I'm not sure if I'm dealing with conviction right now or condemnation. I think I'm back and forth between both. So part of me is saying, just turn it off. Quit listening. The other part of me is saying, no, keep listening. I need it. Because it's possible. I don't care what your position is. I don't care what your role is. I don't care what your title is. If you're not careful, you can make this just the seasoning. can be the addition. Just be what you sprinkle on a little bit every now and then to make things a little bit better. When it's supposed to be the focus of our lives. Nothing to do with full-time ministry. Nothing to do with a title or a position. It has to do with being a child of God. Paul's not talking to preachers here. He's talking to the saints saying, walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So all of that really is just kind of a little bit of a foundation to tonight, the rest of the evening, and possibly the next couple of weeks here. I, I want to read, there, there's really one primary verse I want to get to, but I'm going to read most of the chapter because I want you to just kind of hear a lot of the context of this, of this chapter. 
1 John 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the world. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we come to church faithfully. Hereby we know we know Him if, 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 if we read our Bibles every now and then. No. The way that we know we know Him is if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth His word... In Him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in Him. He that saith he abideth in Him ought himself also so to walk even as He walked, even as Jesus walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Now this sounds a little bit confusing because the next verse he says again, a new commandment I write unto you. Which thing is true in him and in you? Because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. So verse 7, he says, I don't write a new commandment to you. In verse 8, he says, I write a new commandment to you. I think what he was saying was, I'm not telling you something that is new. I'm telling you something that might be new to you. But this isn't something new. I'm not telling you something that's just originated right now. This is something old, but it may seem new because you're not familiar with it. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him That is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you have known the Father. I have written unto you fathers because you have known Him from that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because you're strong. And the word of God abideth in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Here we go. The next three verses is kind of where all it focuses to. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Oh, Jesus. Love not the world or the things that are in the world. Many of us can probably no doubt say, no, I don't I don't love the world. We're not talking about loving the lost here. That's not what this is talking about. I think probably a lot of us tonight could truthfully say, I don't love the world, but I'm not sure how many of us could say, I don't love the things that are in the world. 
I thought about this the other day. Bishop, some of you may remember the title. I can't say that I really remember all of the message, but I remember the title, and this was a long time ago. I, I think probably maybe back in the 80s, Bishop preached a message one time titled, What You Can Tell About a Man by the Way He Worships. I don't know what it was. I, I don't know what prompted it, but a few days ago, I think I was just sitting around the house. I, don't, I really, I can't remember the specifics of it. But I got to thinking about what can you tell about a man, Brother Tony, by the things you see in his house? What can you tell about a man by if, they, if you have an office? Some of you don't have an office in, in your work situation. But what can you tell about a man or a woman by, by what you see in their office? If you were to come walk around my house tonight and just by what's out, the decorations, the, the things that are on the shelves and the walls, what would you walk away thinking that I loved? You went and walked through my office. Many of you have been in there, but if you walked through my office, what would you walk out of there thinking I loved? I, I think you could walk out of my office and see... What really represents me? Yeah, you're going to see some Maryland flag stuff. But there, there, there's, there's things that represent family. There's things that represent mine. I'm not trying to be critical or judgmental. I'm telling this is what hit me as I was just... I, I don't lo- I, I, again, I believe we probably, most of us can probably say, I don't love the world. Can we truly say, I don't love the things... Of the world. John says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And, and, and I, can, I think I can hear some of you. I think sometimes we preachers think what we hear, and we ain't hearing it, but we think we're hearing it. It's probably just the devil, really, is what it is, to be honest. I, can, I, I think I can hear some of you, or I wouldn't be surprised if somebody, oh, come on, brother, right? You're just being a little too extreme with this. Yeah, keep fighting with your Nerf gun. Keep fighting this battle with your Nerf gun. But don't be surprised when you keep taking on wounds because the enemy's not coming back at you with a Nerf gun. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now watch this. Do you know, I I need a Bible. I I need to start bringing my Bible on Thursday nights. It's just... I may have my Bible in my iPad, but it's just not the same thing. This, this, this is an absolutely amazing book. I don't say that because I'm a preacher. I don't say that because I'm a pastor. I, I say that because first and foremost, I'm a saint. I'm a child of God. It, it blows my mind. It really blows my mind. The answers. The answers that are right here. 
We have gotten so caught up in reading and watching and all this external knowledge and information. If you never read anything else the rest of your life, but what's in here, it would be enough. Number one, obviously it would be enough to be a disciple, to be a saint. But it would be enough to be the greatest husband or wife in the world. It would be enough to be the greatest father or mother, the greatest son. Or It would be enough. Well, I don't know. Then go read another translation. This is the King James is not the divinely inspired translation. Is it what we think to be one of the most accurate? Sure. It, it, it just it honest. I mean, just literally in the last actually today, as I've been preparing for tonight, just it amazes me. What is in this book? The, 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 the answers, the direction. But the problem is, if all it is is your seasoning or your sauce, it's not the same thing. This being your seasoning and your sauce is not the same thing as what the psalmist said. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word, not society, not my husband, not my wife, not my parents, not my kids, not culture, not not politics. Thy word is the lamp to my feet and the light to my path. The problem is the enemy is very content with you. He doesn't mind if this is the seasoning and the sauce to your life. He's not going to fight that. He's good with that. Sprinkle in a little bit of Jesus here and there. He doesn't care if you even show up to church faithfully. If all it is is just seasoning. So watch this, watch this. Watch what, do, do we believe the do we, don't, don't answer because I'm not looking for just a rhetorical question and answer. Do we truly believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Do we truly believe that what it says is from God and, and that it really is the source of life and the direct? Do we truly believe that? Because listen, listen to what John says under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. For all that is in the world, not some, not some of what is in the world, but all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. It is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever the things of the world pass away but those that do the will of God abide forever Listen to verse 16 and 17 in the Amplified Bible. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, 
craving for sensual gratification and the lust of the eyes, greedy longings of the mind and the pride of life, assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. These do not come from the Father, but are from the world itself. And the world passes away and disappears And with it, the forbidden cravings, the passionate desires, the lust of it. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purposes in his life abides, remains forever. Living Bible, for all these worldly things, these evil desires, the craze for sex, the ambition to buy everything that appeals to you, and the pride that comes from the wealth and importance, these are not from God. They are from this evil world itself. And this world is fading away and these evil forbidden things will go with it. But whoever keeps doing the will of God will live forever. And then lastly, the message Bible. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Love of the world, love for the things of the world, squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, all of those things, they all pass away. They all fade away. They come and they go, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Let me just just make it clear in the King James uses the word lust, and I would say the great majority of the time when we use the word lust today, we are talking about a sexual context. And obviously that is a part of lust, but there's, lust is not, you, you can lust after something that's not a sexual thing. So the Greek word for lust is a longing, especially for what is forbidden. When you sit around and, and, and feel all poor me because you're an apostolic and there's things you can't do, that's lust. There's things you shouldn't watch, but you really want to... That's lust. There's places you shouldn't go, but you really want to go. That's lust. The root word for lust is, excuse me, it's a longing, especially for what is forbidden. The root word of lust here is to set the heart upon, to long for, rightfully or otherwise. The Bible says, set your affections. Set your affections on things above. It is a decision. It's a choice that I've got to make. Where's my affection going to, where's my heart going to be? It, it, I am not a victim of where my affections are. I'm, I'm not a victim 
Well, I just don't, I love the world. I don't know how to help myself. No. You've decided where your affections are. You've let things, you've let love for things, you've let love for the things of the world squeeze out love for the Father. All, all, somebody say all. Not some, all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is, this is just gonna be a quick insertion here. This is really not even the main point, but, but by, by the, the Lord willing, uh, part of what I think I will be doing, feel I will be doing over the next couple of weeks is kind of going through each one of these three things and kind of breaking down what they really mean. But our, our eyes get us in so much trouble in a lot of different ways. I'm not, again, I'm not talking about just in, you know, husbands looking at women you shouldn't be looking at. That's not. Why do you think billions, not millions, billions of dollars are spent every year on advertising? To catch the eye. All about catching the eye. I got a, I got a question. If, if you went up, if, if, if you went into Safeway this evening and walk down the cereal aisle, and there was a brown box with black letters that said, Frosted Flakes. And if it was actually Frosted Flakes, produce, is, it, is this Kellogg's produced Frosted Flakes? I ought to know, since it's one of my few favorite cereals. If it really was truly Kellogg's Frosted Flakes in that box, would the box change the flavor? Absolutely not. Boy, there's just something about Tony the Tiger. Because if you walked in the store tonight and there was a box that said Frosted Flakes, there was brown box, black letters, and next to that was the normal Frosted Flakes box, I can guarantee you. If you went in there tonight and that was the case, some of you picked the brown box just to spite me, but under normal circumstances... What's what's the what's the toucan on uh, frost on uh, Fruit Loops? What's toucan Sam? The toucan Sam changed. Does he really change the flavor of of Fruit Loops? Does he? Some of you are saying, "Yeah, you're the ones I'm probably really teaching to tonight." But that that's, that really is the point. And I'm going to come to it in a few minutes this evening. If I get there, don't get too bogged down. It goes all the way back to the garden. All the way back to the beginning. And, and, and so here's my, here's my, and I know we got some, not there, not just some young, not just, not just the older folks. There, there's some, there are some young, wise people here who have chosen not to be on social media. And I mean that sincerely. That's a wise choice. I'm on social media, so I'm not being a Pharisee here that those of us, I'm on it. I mean, I, did, I, 
We get, we get in so much trouble. Through the, the, again, I'm not right now, I'm not, hear me, I'm not talking right now in a sexual context. Some of you are like zoning out for a few minutes here because oh, I don't have a problem with lusting after people. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about seeing Instagram and Facebook images and photos and comparing your life, your current situation to a picture. I saw this one yesterday. I thought this was awesome. You'll see that. I know we're, we're working on a new screen. So these, y'all see that? Picture on the right looks like a great photo up in the air, an airplane. and Picture on the left, he's holding the toilet seat that looks like an airplane window with the picture of the screen in the background. I seen my wife has shown me this one before. This lady's got seventy-one thousand followers on Instagram. Fortunately, she was kind enough to show some real pictures. We see the fake stuff, and the lust of the eyes starts working on us. We start getting unhappy with what we have or don't have. But of course we know you have to scroll Instagram and Facebook. We know you can't turn it off. We know you can't delete your account, so you just have to. I know I know I'm the I'm the <laughs> somebody from Pause was texting me after Pause and, and it was a very positive complimentary thing, but it was referencing how practical my preaching was compared to other preaching, not in a negative sense towards other preaching. To be very honest with you, and I've said this before, I've struggled a lot of times throughout my ministry because this, this, this is who I am. So try to get Bishop in here a little bit more often. You can get all the deep stuff. I hope somebody's got a at least a couch that's available tonight because I'm about to need it. <laughs> and I, I live in a house with people that could be Instagram famous. <laughs> I mean, it, you could put that tree up there. Look at that table. I know it's hard to see what we are. We, uh, we're, seriously, we're working on getting a new screen. Turn around, look back there, you can see a little bit better. <laughs> look at that. Anybody got an extra room or extra couch? Jeremy, you got space? All right, Jeremy. All right. He's got my back because I'm going to need it. I, I didn't post this the other day. That's what I was talking about Sunday morning. You, you don't see all the stuff. Article that was written around the second set of pictures. Mom's Instagram versus reality photos nail what life with four kids actually looks like by Kayla Boyd. Social media is a highlight reel. 
And although there is nothing wrong with only posting our cutest pictures, we also need to remember that no mom has a clean house 24-7. No woman has perfect hair and makeup at all hours of the day, and not one single person lives a flawless life. I don't know. I think there's got to be a few other families here tonight that are my wife and I's age in that same range. We got any other picture people families here tonight? Oh, look at that. Picture people. Didn't it wasn't it something else at one point? Or was it always just picture people? Picture people. Ah, I see another hand. Light bulbs are going off. Picture people was where we got all of our family photos for our immediate family. Picture people for years was right outside of um, Lord and Taylor. We'd go there and, you know, they have all these awesome backdrops. and We'd go there, the six of us. This is when the kids were little. We've got, we've got some of them on display in the house right now. They are the cutest, sweetest pictures you've ever seen. We look like such a wonderful family. That was one split second out of other hair-pulling moments. Smiles that were somehow happened to be captured in between screams. We did that a couple of times, or at least one time, with the whole, my wife's whole side of the family. Ten grandkids, anywhere from, Nathaniel was like, I think, months old to the eldest being early teens, I guess. Who, I don't know whose idea that was. But man, you see this lovely, you don't get all the other stuff. Let's, 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 let's take it another way here. Hope this, this one hopefully really will help somebody. You know what we often are seeing in a church service? You are seeing a social media snapshot of a person's spirituality. You are seeing them in a moment of the presence of God moving and working. They got their hands up. They got to, they're just worshiping. You weren't in the car in the parking lot when they were cussing out their spouse before they got out of the car. You weren't in their, in their living room early that morning when they were sitting there pulling their hair out, frustrated about where their walk with God is and things that you weren't there. All you see is just this. And some of you walk in and you see that and you're not having a social media moment this night at church and you leave with all kinds of guilt and condemnation. I don't think it's hypocritical to come in and worship and pray and do all that stuff when you don't feel like it because I've been there and a lot of times I've come in not feeling, yes, I, me, the guy that usually sits up there. I come in and worship not because I'm such an awesome saint of God. I come in and worship a lot of times because I'm your pastor and if I sit up there and look, this is Thursday night so we don't, it's not sugar-coated. If I sit up there and look like some of you look, 
You can sit there, arms folded, scowl on your face, not budge, and nobody think twice about it. But if I sit there and do that, everybody's going to be going, what's wrong with Brother Wright tonight? Because it's kind of a double standard that I can't sit and do nothing. You judge me, but you can sit and do nothing, and I can't judge you. I'm trying to get on Walt Witt's good side. Will Witt, thank you. I'm thinking of Walt Whitman, whatever else, whoever else. Walt, that, the world, that's, that's, that's the worldly mindset. That's the where the world operates. Again, I've said this, I don't know how many times I'm going to keep saying, if, you, if you're not, if you can't almost quote Psalm 73 by heart, that's your homework for the next three days. Every child of God needs to know Psalm 73 because Psalm 73, I believe, is a cycle that we go through every now and then I walk with God from time to time. The psalmist said, I got to looking at the prosperity of the wicked. I got to looking at their, everything seemed so good for them. Life seemed to go so well. They, they weren't worried about living a righteous life, living a pure life, and they were making money. They were, they were going on great vacations. They're doing, and he says, I got to looking at all of that, and it was almost too much for me. My steps had almost slipped until, until I got into the sanctuary, until I got into the presence of God. That's why it doesn't matter what you feel like. You need to come to church. Doesn't matter if you feel like come, come. It doesn't matter if you're if you're struggling in your walk with God, come. It doesn't matter if you just sin, come. Because there's something that can happen when we get together in the presence of God. And that one of the beautiful things about coming together is you can help me get someplace that I may not really be able to get by myself. I think every child of God needs to know how to find some place all by themselves and pray and get something from God. Every child of God needs to know how to do that. But I also know there have been some times in my life I did not have the energy, the strength. I didn't have the faith, to be honest with you. Man, when I got into the sanctuary, when I got into the atmosphere of people worshiping and praising God and, 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 and the worship team who wasn't there entertaining but was there helping to lead and they were helping to escort us into the presence of God, all, all of a sudden there was something that began to flicker on the inside and it was just a small flame and initially but as, as things went on something began to grow and something began to happen and by the time service was over with, felt completely different. So watch this. Back to the back to the the notes. This John's John writes after Jesus ascension from this earth. John writes and says all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life are not of the Father. But, but, but I, watch how far back. This is why, again, John said in previous verses, he says, I'm not giving you a new, this isn't something new, but I'm giving you something new. <laughs> 
this is something that's been around forever, but you haven't quite gotten it. You haven't grasped it, so therefore it becomes new to you. Watch this. We go all the way back to the very beginning. Genesis 3, verse number 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, had God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God knoweth that in that day ye eat thereof. Then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. I'll show you fairly clearly here in just a moment, but in case you're not quite getting the connection, what's in this verse right here is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What John says in the book of John happened all the way back in the beginning of time. That's why he's saying, I'm not, this isn't something new I'm trying to tell you. This isn't something new I'm trying to get across to you. This is something that's been going around since going on since the beginning of time. And unfortunately, Eve and Adam, and really I think in a lot of ways, Adam was more responsible here than Eve, but that's another topic for another night. But Eve and Adam gave in to the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes and the pride. They failed the test. That's why it was so significant in Matthew chapter 4. The second man, Adam, 1 Corinthians talks about. Matthew 4 verse 1. When Jesus was led up of the, of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, and when he had tasted, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. I can never read that verse without stopping and expressing how I do not understand it. How do you fast 40 days and then get hungry? Now what it says? He fasted 40 days and after fasting 40 days he was hungry. I fast 4 minutes and I'm starving out of my mind. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. But he answered and said unto him, It is written. He answered and what he was saying unto him was, The word of God, I lost my stuff, The word of God is not the seasoning. Take it or leave it to my life. He said, It is written. Here's the answer. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 
Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written, Again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Notice Jesus' response to the devil was not what he, I think, Jesus' response to the devil wasn't, well, my pastor said, well, my oikos lead, my deacon said, my, my youth, no. Jesus said, it is written. Again, the devil taketh him. This is the third thing. The devil takes him into an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto them, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Again, in just a second, I'll show it to you. In Genesis... Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Eve failed, gave in to the lusts. But Jesus faced the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But He didn't give in. Because He didn't love the world and the things that were in the world. 1 John 2.16, we've got the lust of the flesh in the garden. Serpent appealed to Eve that it was good for food. This is good for you. This will help you. He tempts Jesus to turn these stones into bread. John says there's the lust of the eyes. Eve's issue was the the tree, the fruit, was pleasant to the eyes. Serpent, uh, Satan takes Jesus and says, look, look at all this. Look at all this. Look at, look at all that you could have. I'll give it all to you. And lastly, the pride of life. A tree to be desired to make one wise. It's going gonna, it's gonna, to... It's going to give me knowledge. It's going to give me wisdom. It's going to validate me. I think one of the saddest tricks the enemy's ever used is to twist the minds of young people raised in the church to think that it's not fair. Your parents got to do all that stuff. Your parents got to try alcohol and drugs. Your parents got to try sleeping around. And it's not fair. You're not supposed to. That has got to be one of the dumbest arguments. Because what you're not paying attention to is your parents have lived with the pain and the heartache of that stuff. They live with scars from that stuff. And so... In the wilderness, Jesus faced the temptation of the pride of life. 
cast yourself down and he'll give his angels charge. Here, 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 prove, show who you are. That's what the world does. That's what the world says. Prove it. Show us. That's what the the world does in a relationship with an unmarried man and an unmarried woman. If you love me, prove it. Prove it by doing something that God has reserved for the bounds of matrimony. Isn't it interesting, folks? Eve gave in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And her and Adam got kicked out of the garden. Jesus overcame the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And guess what? He abides forever. You want some temporary fleeting moment of a thrill? That's why... That's why people end up dying. Thrill seekers end up dying because they, they, they've, got to, they, they've got to find the next challenge. I mean, decades ago, the, the, uh, the rebel yell was, man, you rode the rebel yell at King's Dominion. You were doing something. Whew. That old wooden roller coaster. They'll beat you to death. I, I, was, I forget who I was talking to. I think it was Brother Young, actually. Brother Tovell Young recently crossed paths and we got on this because they were going to Williamsburg at Christmas time. I remember as a teenager, the Loch Ness Monster. Man, if you got a chance to go to Williamsburg and ride the Loch Ness Monster, you, you were living. And then what was the one at Hershey Park that had the, what's it called, the, wasn't it called the Super Duper Looper? Yeah. I think it had two loops, or has still. I mean, man, if you, that was something else 35 years ago. If you're a true roller coaster rider nowadays, and you had never ridden the Loch Ness Monster, and I told you, man, you got to ride the Loch Ness Monster. If I took you there and you rode it, you would laugh at me. You'd think, what? Now you got King Dakar. <laughs> what are the other ones? What's the, what's the one? I think it's the similar, but it's a little bit smaller in uh, Top Thrill Dragster. That's, the, that's one of the last roller coasters I ever ridden. All it does is go straight forward up a hill and back down. That's all it does. 275,000 feet up in the air. I think it's 400 if I'm not mistaken. Now, I mean, they got, they got roller coasters now that are hundreds and hundreds. And, and I mean, back then... Man, it was something else, brother. You sit down in that car, you pull that thing down over your head, and, and I pull that thing down over my head, and the whole time we're going up the click, 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 I am pushing with everything in me just to make sure that thing is not going anywhere. <laughs> now that's not the deal anymore. Now they got you hanging under them, standing on them, stupid stuff. 
I, at, as of this moment, I seriously doubt I will ever ride another roller coaster. I used to ride them all the time. Rebel Yell, Super Duper Looper, Loch Ness Monster. Now these things, you're going two, three, four hundred feet up in the air. Forget it. Or, or how about these people that are on top of the, I mean, these crazy tall buildings in Dubai and other places of the world, and they're on the very top on the, the little tower that's up at the top, and they're getting a selfie from up there. I know some of those things are probably staged, but there's some of them, the people that fell off and lost their life. I wasn't green screen. Why? Because it's never enough. That's why as old-fashioned as it is, we still teach around here. If you're dating, you got no business touching. It's ridiculous. I hear myself say it and I think, man, you are so old-fashioned. Now you watch a, you, can, you can watch movies where 12 and 13 year olds are making out like they're married people. It, it's never you, you understand, folks. There is God designed us in a way that 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 it's never enough. Whatever it is, it's never enough. Why there's a new model every year of cars and, 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 and computers and video games because they know we'll just dangle the next thing out there. What you have won't be good enough. And you'll think if I can just get the next one, I'll finally be happy. And you'll be happy until the next one comes out. Only video game I'm at all I don't even want to say good at because I'm still not convinced everybody around here is not just playing around with me every time I play. I would rather get beat 15 to nil in FIFA than somebody toy with me. So if you are messing with me, any of you guys, I'm telling you, quit playing around with me. Just I'd rather you beat the socks off of me than you beat me by one goal because you were being nice. I think I've gotten okay. I'm not great, but I've gotten okay. Now that Dan Timothy comes in, hey, Dad, I, they, they got FIFA 2020 whatever on sale. You want to split it? And I'm like, sure. I don't, I'm just started finally getting decent enough with the one from two or three years ago. I don't need a new one, but guess what? There's a new one. Why? Because if we love the world... And the things that are in the world, we're constantly chasing the next thing. Listen, listen, I'm going I'm to try to land the plane. But listen to it. I know most of us, in fact, probably everybody in this place tonight. We're, we're, this is 30 years. We're celebrating our 30th anniversary in May. And so I've been saving money and, 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 and trying to get as much as I can in savings because we're going on a trip for our 30th. I'm looking at Airbnb, I'm looking on Expedia, I'm looking at, i got to find a bargain, i got to get a deal. Most of us don't have the money to buy whatever we want to buy. How many of you here tonight, come on, be honest with me, be honest with me, how many of you here tonight that are, you are driving the car that if you had the choice out of any car to drive, it's the car you have, you'd be driving, anybody, anybody. One person, two. 
I, I, I'm, I, my vehicle I'm currently is a favorite car I've ever had, but I can't tell you if I didn't have the chance and the funds to buy something else, I wouldn't buy something else. And, and so most of us drive cars, live in houses, wear clothes, go on vacations that we can afford because that's all we can afford. But listen, listen, listen. Listen to someone, and I'm going to read a bunch of this chapter because I want you to get the whole picture here. Listen to someone that had the means to get to do whatever they wanted. Y'all still with me? I'm almost done. Solomon says, I said in my heart, go to now, I will prove thee with myrrh. Therefore, enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of myrrh, what doeth it? I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly till, my, till I might see what was that what." Was that good for the sons of men which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life? I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools, not a pool, pools, plural, of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens in the, and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasures of kings and of the provinces. I got men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men and musical as musical instruments and that, all, and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Look, look, look at this. Look at verse 10. Whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. Whatever I wanted, I got. Whatever I wanted to do, I did. Nothing. I, I had the resources, the means to do any and everything I wanted. I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Watch, after all of that, after, after saying I did whatever I wanted to do, I got whatever I wanted to get, I went wherever I wanted to go. If, if Solomon lived today, he'd probably be the, real, the wealthiest. Literally, if you translated Solomon's riches to today's riches, he'd be one of the richest people in the entire world. Let's listen, after all of that, after all of that, he says, Then... I looked on all the works my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit and there was no profit under the sun. The word vanity is emptiness. After all of that, after getting everything I wanted, after pursuing the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, after getting any and everything I wanted, I come to the realization it's all just emptiness. And vexation of spirit. Because what do you do when you're able to get everything you want and you get everything you want and now find out it really doesn't satisfy? Nick Saban, the coach of the Alabama 
football team. Anybody know offhand how many it is? He's got six, seven, I think. Six or seven national championships he's won in college. Six national championships. Why, why keep coaching? Because it's never enough. That's why there's been a few guys through the years very, who have been very successful athletes, some superstars at times in their sport that have retired and came back a couple of years later because they just couldn't give it. it just what they, they, had, they had no other purpose in life. And they end up adding a stain onto a great career. Because all that is in the world... All that is in the world, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. And the only thing that lasts is those that do the will of the Father. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Passes, passes away. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever, remains, not something flee. Because it works the same way in your relationship with God. It works the same way in ministry. You're never satisfied. Just like everything else in life, if your relationship with God is really where it needs to be and moving in the right direction, you're never satisfied. You want more. I want to get closer to you, Jesus. I want to know you more. I want to be more intimately acquainted. I thank you for everything I've had. I thank you for the relationship I've had with you, but, but I want to know you more. I want to be more intimately acquainted with you, and thank you for how you've used me. Thank you for what you've done through my life, but, but I want you to do more through my life. I want you to use me. And, and again, if we got the right motive, not not so that I can have some kind of status and, 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 and recognition. I just, because what, what, what greater purpose is there in life than being a vessel for God to use in whatever way He chooses? Nobody, nobody may ever, no one may ever may really know your name. But if you fulfill God's purpose, I, I, I thought maybe this would be some direction I was started the year off with. I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I, I, a couple weeks ago I just got to thinking about the, the, the apostles. And, and you know, there's really about three or four apostles that we talk about mostly. But the other guys were just as much apostles as Peter, James, and John. They were no less. They were no less an apostle. Just because they didn't write epistles that we preach and read today. Just because they didn't have some great accomplishments that were written in Scripture. They were just as much an apostle. It's not about what your accomplishments are as long as you are fulfilling the purpose that God gave you. What greater thing is there? Everything in this world passes away. Passes away. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Literally forever. 
You want something that's just momentary. You want a temporary thrill? You want to pursue something that is just vanity and vexation of spirit when you've been given an invitation to be a part of what is eternal? Say, Brother Ryder, what are you going to talk about for several more weeks? Talk about that probably every one of us in this room could, if we're being honest, could recognize some way in which we are struggling with either the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes or the pride of life. And the other thing is the enemy is continually trying to trip us up in one of these areas. I said it a couple of weeks ago, I forget what service it was, but house we live in now, we bought it three years ago, it was built in 1952. We had spent nine years in a house that we were blessed to buy brand new, first family to live in it. The house we bought now is about half the size of that other house. We did an addition that made it a little bit closer, but I didn't really know that that song frosted window pane. I didn't really know what that song was about until three years ago, our first winter, when I tried to look out the window and I couldn't because there was frosted window panes, candles. The other day, my wife said, we, we really, we need to try to replace the windows. And I said, why? It's part of the character of the house. Plus, there's no insulation in the walls, so I don't think the changing of the uh, windows is really going to make a difference. I'm not really joking. We went to tear off some of the siding and where the addition was going and inside the boards of what was an exterior wall in between the boards and the house. There's literally no insulation. So, you know what? 99% of the time, I love that house. You know what the 1% is? When I get to wasting time on the Explorer feed on Instagram and I start seeing these amazing new homes that are three and four times as big as mine or when I go to somebody's house that has a bigger, beautiful house. The enemy will constantly try to find a way to either get you caught up in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. And if you give in to any one or all of those, you're giving in to something that is empty. But if you will love the Father, love the Father's Word, not just let God and His Word, His Spirit be the addition to your life. But if you will truly make it what you live for, you will abide forever. Father, I pray tonight, I pray as we embark upon a new year. Lord, I don't think 
the start of a new year is really that big of a deal to you, but it tends to be a big deal to us. It's often viewed as a fresh beginning and a new start, and if we can be benefited by that, then so be it. So I pray that you would help us tonight. I pray for every person that's a part of this congregation, God. John was not speaking to the world, to sinners, to unbelievers. He was speaking to saved people. And he was warning them about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And so tonight, Father, to us as believers, I pray that your word tonight would find good ground in our hearts. I pray, God, that the seed of your word tonight would be planted deeply in our hearts. I know, I know without a doubt, God, there is an enemy that wants to come along and steal the seed of your word. I know there's an enemy that wants to come steal this seed tonight before it has the chance to take root and germinate and produce in our lives. But I pray right now, Father, that the seed of your word tonight would be sown deeply in our hearts and that your spirit would nurture that seed, that it would produce an impact in our lives. Lord, I know that in our heart of hearts we all want to abide forever, but you also know our frame. You know that we're made from the dust. You know our weaknesses. You know our struggles. You know how prone we are to following after different things that get our attention, that excite our interest. So I pray tonight that you would help us. I pray, God, that by your grace, rather than being like Adam and Eve who gave in, who failed the test, I pray that we would follow your example that you gave us on this earth, that we would overcome, that we would be victorious. Help us tonight. By your grace, God, help us not to live lives where you and your word and your spirit are just the extra, the addition, the seasoning, the flavoring that provides a little bit of extra, but that you would be life itself. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. By your grace, help us, Lord. Empower us, equip us. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.